Good morning. Again, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers and uh, grandmothers who are here today. And I uh, just want to tell you again how much we appreciate you. Um, <clears throat> we're beginning a new policy starting uh, with on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. <clears throat> at our regular preaching service at 11.15, we're going to start talking about people, Okay. And um, we're going to tell you about their flaws, and we're going to tell you about their faults and their struggles. We're also going to talk about their victories and their successes and their strengths. Say, well, who are we going to talk about? Well, we'll probably talk about David and Luke and Daniel and Tom and Mary and John, and Abby. You might be asking yourself, why would we do that? (laughs) Well, it may surprise you that um, we're actually encouraged in Scripture to do this. And some of you Bible scholars are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've read the Bible. Where does it say that? Well, turn with me to James chapter 5. And we begin reading at verse 9, James chapter 5. Verse 9, it says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. You say, well, doesn't that point out that we shouldn't be talking about people? It says, don't grumble against one another, lest you be condemned. Well, read on. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. This would be another reason why we shouldn't grumble against other people. Then he says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So two people that he's talking about here are the prophets. Actually, there's a bunch of people there, the prophets, and uh, Job. And he's saying that, look at the prophets. They are an example to us. Look at Job and look at what God intended to do in Job's life as a result of the trial that he went through. So we're going to talk about people like the prophets and like Job. And Adam and Eve and, as I said, David and Tom and Mary and Luke and all the rest of them as well. That's what you thought I meant, right? So beginning next week, we're going to have our kickoff uh, in our new character study series. And I don't know when it's going to end. And uh, it might go on until the Lord comes back. That's good. But we're going to, um, just as we did in the survey study that we, we just completed, the survey of the New Testament, we invited the young men to step up to the plate or to the pulpit and to um, participate in the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. So <clears throat> some of you excused yourself because you said, <laughs> I'm not young. And so you didn't uh, come forward and say, hey, look, I, I'd like to do something. So 
I'm not going to use that restrictive word young anymore, and we're going to uh, open it up to any of the brethren who would like to participate in preaching and teaching of the word to come and talk to me about a character from the Bible that you'd like to take on. Maybe this is a person that you've done a lot of study about, uh, someone who has really captured your imagination and, and captured your heart as a man who, or a woman who has really served the Lord and, and done well. Maybe it's a bad character, and you've learned a lot of lessons from this bad character that, uh, to avoid, and you'd like to tell us about those lessons. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. So if you'd like to participate, um, let me know. If you take somebody like, you know, um, Titus or somebody like that, it's going to be a while. So you'll have plenty of time to study, okay? We're going to try to do this more or less in chronological order. And so next week, we'll kick off with um, our oldest relatives, Adam and Eve. Now, some of the things that we'd like to learn as we go from the character study, um, certainly we could assign um, a quality in a person and say, well, Abraham was a man of faith, so let's look at faith. Well, there's a lot of other attributes that Abraham had that we can learn from. And so we're probably going to take faith as one aspect, but we'll look also at various other aspects of his life um, as well. And um, so we want to leave it fairly open, but I'd like to hear from you what, who you'd like to take up and what you'd like to tell us about that person uh, in the coming weeks. We want to hear about their good qualities their successes, their victories, but we don't want you to avoid their flaws because the Bible is very honest when it comes to characters in, uh, that, 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 that God describes. He doesn't overlook flaws, but there's some very interesting things about it. He doesn't, he doesn't go into graphic detail often about the, the flaws of a person, but he points out just enough information for us to know what the flaw was, what the sin was, and so on, and very often we see what the Lord did as a result of that. Example would be David uh, and his sin. But we also see in David's life that God brought him to the point of repentance and confession and restoration. And so we see the full circle there in his life. And we want to see that as we talk about different characters in the Bible. Did they have faith? Were they a success um, in the world's eyes? and a complete flop in God's eyes, or vice versa. Um, what character trait was strongest in life? What difficulties did they overcome? What can we apply to our lives? Now, there's an interesting thing. Uh, as we study the Scriptures, very often Old Testament characters are also noted in the New Testament. And very often those characters, a particular aspect of their life is noted for us to follow or for an, an, an example for us. So we want you to look not just at the story in the Old Testament of the character, but look forward into the New Testament and see if there's any lessons that are meant for us personally or that are meant for the church in general. And you'll find that there's a lot of that uh, in the New Testament. So we want to learn from the mistakes of others so that we don't fall into the same sins. And we want to learn from the success of others so that we might um, be men and women of faith and godly character. We say, well, is this really an appropriate way of looking at Scripture? I mean, for 25 or 26 years, we have 
more or less gone through the Bible verse by verse, uh, expositional, expositionally, and that's how we've taught the Scripture. Is this really an appropriate way to look at the Scripture? And the answer to that is yes, it is. And we have this actually uh, spelled out for us. Paul seems to think so. As we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's take a look there. <clears throat> all right i'm going to emphasize certain words and i want you to see if you can pick up what i'm trying to emphasize i may just tell you as we go anyway okay verse uh, chapter 10 verse 1 first corinthians <clears throat> moreover brethren he's writing to the corinthians um new testament I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, so he's looking back at the Old Testament, he's looking back at the uh, Jewish people, and particularly the Jewish people who came out of Egypt and went into the, um, the desert, so that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Stop there for a minute. What word was I emphasizing? All. Okay. So he's looking at the nation of Israel at this point, and he's saying, look, the entire nation of Israel enjoyed the blessing of God. They all saw God work in Egypt. They all saw him defeat the Egyptians. They all saw saw him open up the Red Sea and part it. They all, all, they all went through on dry land. They all got to the other side. They all hungered and thirsted on that side, and God gave them food and water to drink. They all enjoyed the blessing of God, every one of them. But, next part of the verse, it says, chapter uh, verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things became our examples. You say, wow. You mean all that stuff that was happening in the Old Testament of Israel leaving uh, Egypt and going out into the desert, that's all uh, an example to us? Yes, that's what he's saying here. They became our examples. What can we learn from them? What can we learn from their example? And he lists several uh, things that we are to learn here. Um, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That's number one. Number two, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Number three, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Number four, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Five, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So there are five lessons that he pulls out just from that simple um, uh, history lesson in the Old Testament. Now, all of these things happen to them as examples for who? For us. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you 
except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What's my emphasis? You. So at first, it was all of them, and then it was most of them, and now he's drawing his attention to us. All You, you, you. Learn from this valuable Old Testament lesson. There's something to be learned here. In fact, five things right from this uh, passage here. So the New Testament looks back at the Old Testament characters to teach us lessons. Lessons on prayer, um, faith, uh, trust in God. In fact, God's character as he deals with people. Um, lessons on the future and what God plans for the future. How to live righteously. Gaining a proper view of material possessions. How to stand up to the crowd. How to overcome impossibilities. You have only got one life. That's it. And if we can learn lessons from those who have gone before us and avoid the pitfalls that they fell into, and we can... uh, um, follow after those who did well, then we have a life that's, that counts, right? That's the whole point of studying the Scripture this way. We want to make something of our lives that will count for eternity. And so that's why we're going to be talking about people, lots of people. And we trust that you'll gain wisdom and insight as we um, learn from their lives. Well, today it's Mother's Day. So... <clears throat> I didn't think we would go over Adam and Eve today. Probably not the most appropriate um, mother to be looking at. So we decided to do something else. Um, I want to introduce a woman to you. She is... um, Some of you know her. And some of you know little bits about her. But she's rarely seen and she is seldom appreciated now the bible speaks of different kinds of women if you do a study in the book of proverbs and you go from proverbs 1 to 31 you'll find all kinds of different types of women and you could do a list of of the types some are to be avoided at all costs such as the foolish woman why because she tears down her household the proverb says Uh, we're to avoid the loud and stubborn woman the sensuous or immoral woman. In fact, the Scripture says we are commanded to stay clear of her in Proverbs 6. Solomon, who was no stranger to women, having 600 wives and 300 concubines, wrote a lot about women. And uh, he said of the contentious woman that it would be better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a grand palace with a contentious woman. (laughs) He was willing to, and of course, what he's talking about is not a, you know, pitched roof like this, but in the old days, they had flat rooftops and people could go out there and enjoy the sunset or the sunrise with their cup of java or whatever. And uh, he said, you know what? I'd I'd be far better to find a corner, quiet corner somewhere in the rooftop, face the elements, the heat, the rain, the snow, the cold, whatever, than to go back into the palace and have to put up with her contentious woman there's some that we are to avoid at all costs we also read about women with no discretion 
Solomon writes again, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And though he had so many wives, even he would have to admit that there was one type of woman who was a rare breed. And she is called the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. So let's turn there and take a look at this woman. So with 700 women at his beck and call, the question is asked, who can find a virtuous woman? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand takes hold of the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength. And honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her own, of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now in the Hebrew Bible, this section of scripture is written in the form of an acrostic. So the beginning letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the first verse. And so as the writer um, writes this um, tribute, to the virtuous woman, he goes basically from A to Z. Now, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Am I correct? Okay, and so from the first letter is, is, and the last letter is, okay, good, you got it and I didn't. So from there to there, basically what he says, look, as I look at this woman, this rare breed, this fine jewel, I can think of all kinds of things to say about her. She's wonderful from a to z okay she's complete in that sense and so she has virtues from a to z the first thing that we learn about her is that she is rare she's not easily found but what a jewel she is her worth 
is of more value than rubies. How many of you have been following the news this week of the uh, devastation in uh, Miramar and uh, what used to be called Burma? Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, that region of the world has the finest rubies found anywhere in the world. And it is, uh, it is known for a type of ruby that is called a pigeon blood ruby. And it's in a, when you look at the, the, the size of planet Earth, the only place these rubies are found is in a 70 square mile area right in the, right in the uh, middle of this, well, I'm not sure it's the middle, but in, this, in, in part of this country, I think it's at the north end of it. And it's in the thick of a jungle region, very difficult to get to, and uh, some of the finest rubies in the world, in the Mogok region. Extremely hard to find, rare indeed. And this virtuous woman that we're talking about is of the same type. Very difficult to find a virtuous woman. But I have found one. And why shouldn't I praise the Lord for her? Now, she's going to die a thousand deaths this morning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you see her walking out, you'll understand why. All women should endeavor to have these virtues and should inspire their daughters to be virtuous women as well. She has strength of character and has many gifts that she uses wisely. What's her secret? What is the secret of a virtuous woman? I think it's found here in this passage. It's the hidden character of her heart that is reflected in all that she does here. She is not a woman who is caught up in the fashion parade and the transient beauty that the world uh, values so dearly because she realizes that charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, and a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. She reads in the New Testament that true beauty is not skin deep, but starts in the heart. In First Peter 3, it says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Well, let's consider a few things that make this woman stand out. We'll just look at some of her virtues here. Um, there are volumes and volumes and volumes of books written on this particular passage, but we'll just take a few um, things here. First of all, the virtue of her person. We're going to break this down into several areas. She's diligent, first of all. Let's take a look at verse 13. She seeks wool and flax, and notice how it's worded, and willingly works with her hands. Verse 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand uh, holds the spindle. Verse 22. She makes tapestry for herself. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. And so her diligence uh, benefits her family, herself, and others. The key word, I think, here is what we said in verse 13, that she does so willingly. She's a willing worker, diligent in all that she does. The second virtue of her as a person is that she's disciplined. Verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household 
and a portion for her maidservants. She rises before the sun. Verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. So she rises before the sun comes up and she goes to bed long after the sun has gone down. Everyone benefits from her disciplined life, from her husband to her children to her maidservants in this case. Well, I was thinking about this as I was preparing the sermon and I thought, you know what? Why do we wait for people to die before eulogizing them? Why do we wait for them to die before saying kind words about them? And then we never get it right when we say it anyway. I cringe sometimes when I go to funerals and I hear people talking about the person who's died and I go, boy, that was so mean. <laughs> sometimes in our generation, in the old days, people used to just paint them as, as sinless and flawless. But today we've kind of gone the whole opposite direction and we try to find every fault we can at funerals and I go wow so I'm not going to wait for my wife to die so that I can eulogize her Krista is like this woman here rising early before the sun rises she goes downstairs or sometimes up in the office and she sits there with her open bible and her notebook and her pen and writes down the things that she is learning from the Lord as she seeks the face of the Lord first then she awakens the rest of us, the household, and prepares all of us to meet the day. Uh, we have visitors that show up at our doorstep quite frequently. And uh, she welcomes them in. She uh, prepares for them. If there are saints to feed, she makes meals for them. If there are sewing projects uh, for those who have needs, she takes care of that for them as well. Uh, there's never any fanfare. There's never any show it's just what she does because it's who she is, the virtue of a person. Then after she is certain that everyone is cared for, I have down here that she'll retire at night. She usually just crashes and burns. <laughs> okay. She exhausts herself during the day and then drops. But a virtuous woman is disciplined, and a virtuous woman is she. Third thing about her as a person in this passage is that she is productive verse 16 she considers a field and buys it from her profits she plants a vineyard and so she invests her money in things that produce a reward she looks at this field and she says you know what I could buy this and I could make it productive and that could produce income for the family uh, and which I could then use towards caring for the family or caring for others Krista retired 25, she's going lower and lower in her seat. I never told her I was going to do this, by the way. And some of you probably think it's very inappropriate, but wait till the end, okay? And then tell me if it's inappropriate. 25 years ago, she retired from Nordstrom's after working there for nine years. I, I uh, found her in the back windowless room in the... Uh, in, in the, um, uh, tell me what it was, alterations, that's what it was, yeah, alterations department at Nordstrom's. And uh, she'd worked there for nine years, and she retired when she got married, and um, she received her retirement package. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. If you're working for Nordstrom's for nine years, you get a retirement package. And when she got this 
payout for having worked there for so long. She didn't buy a literal field with it, but instead chose to invest it in the mission field. And uh, the investment that she made 25 years ago is still bearing fruit to this day. It's interesting because we actually get uh, word back from different mission fields of things that are being done. And I'll say to her, I said, do you realize that is a direct result of what investment you made back then? And um, it's still bearing fruit today. We hear of books being translated and printed in foreign languages. These are dividends that are paid out today from an early investment. Now, we often think about investing money today in um, the stock market or into retirement plans or whatever, hoping that in our later years, we're going to be paid back for our early investments. This is a greater investment, and it's, it's bearing much fruit. It says also of this woman, verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. The virtue here is that she sees needs and meets those needs, and at the same time, she's rewarded for her efforts. Her productivity pays off. Now, certainly in this case, she was paid financially for her efforts, but more than this, she's a woman of strength and honor. She has a good name, a good reputation, and she shall rejoice in time to come, the Scripture says. Her productivity now will cause her to reap a reward in the future. She'll rejoice in time to come. Can I just say to my wife this morning, you go, girl. You go, girl. How often I have sat across the table from her. um, It's one of the privileges of working out of the home. And um, this is part of the privilege of working out of the home, too. The weight that I bear. But the... um, we often spend time after the, the kids have eaten and they've run out the door to school and we'll, we'll eat breakfast or drink coffee together and tea together and, and we'll just chat. <clears throat> we do that at breakfast and, and then also at lunch. And um, the house is finally quiet and I've talked to her about business decisions, things that we've got to take care of. And um, I'll have an email that morning from somebody who wants to translate uh, one of the books that we carry, and it's our responsibility. We own the we own the the rights to it, and we can make money off of the the rights of republishing this book in foreign languages and all that. And I'll tell her all about this kind of business stuff that's going on, and she'll say, "I'll say, what do you what what kind of percentage do you think I should uh, charge for that?" Or and she'll just say, "I don't know." She says, "Why don't you just give it to them?" <laughs> Why don't you just give it to them? And she'll just say that, you know, sweetly and just let them have it. And I see in her a woman whose heart and mind are set on heavenly things. And um, it's, it's really neat to see this. I know that she doesn't care about the world's trinkets, gold and jewelry and you know, getting ahead. It's of no interest to her. But she has her interest on heavenly things and a reward that is coming. Um, Even 
the natural nesting instincts that I think is God-given and is in the heart of every woman of wanting to, to feel security and, and uh, a place you can call home and, and all the rest of it. She says, you know what? It's okay. We can, we can live in a hotel. It's not a problem. <laughs> and it's good because she's looking for a city whose foundations are sure, whose builder and maker is God. And she recognizes that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And she's happy to live like that. Well, let's talk about a different virtue. That's her virtue as a person. Let's talk about her virtue as a wife. Verse 11 says, The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does, verse 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know, I, I can say without reservation that I have full confidence in her. She is always looking out for my best, and she is always looking out for the best in the family. She looks out for my future gain as well. And um, from the day she said, I do, she has honored me and prayed for me and cared for, for me. She has not been demanding. She has not been sulking. She has not been contentious or foolish. She is, in fact, a rare jewel. Someone wrote, She is committed totally to his good and his benefit. A woman marries more than a man, for she also marries his interests and calling in life. And this commitment is understood to know no ends, for it exists, as it says here in the Scripture, all the days of her life. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And just like the virtuous woman, she does not complain about numerous phone calls and visits and long meetings and hours on the cell phone, uh, late nights. There's no griping about time away from the family, um, late hours of study in the night. She's completely supportive of the time and effort involved in fulfilling the work of God in my life. She's a woman of virtue uh, as a wife. I want to talk about her virtue as a mother, verse 21 and 22. It says she's not afraid of snow for her household. Well, she lives in California, so. <laughs> That's not the point of the passage. <laughs> for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Well, what it amounts to is this, that she manages money well and she is able to use it to get the best possible materials or clothing that she can for the money that she has. And she, uh, she anticipates the need of a growing family. She anticipates the need of a changing season. And um, she plans ahead. Bill McDonald used to say, about um, things that he disliked. He says, I hate, loathe, despise, and abominate, whatever it is. Well, I hate, loathe, despise, and abominate shopping. I just can't stand it. But Krista takes on that responsibility without it seeming uh, to be a drudgery to her. I, I don't know how that is. It doesn't compute in my mind. 
but she does it. Like the virtuous woman, she is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She knows her prices, knows what a good deal when she sees one, and she knows, given the current cost of gasoline, how far she should go like a merchant ship to bring good things back. She prepares her food ahead of time. Verse 15 says, She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household. You know, we all just expect the meals to be ready. I mean, it's just a given. We expect breakfast will be there. We expect, in my case, lunch will be there. And we expect dinner will be there too. And we expect the snacks and the fresh-baked cookies and the cakes and all that too. And she never disappoints us. Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This means that she knows the likes and dislikes of her family. And we, we, we really all have them, don't we? I think of wives who don't cook certain things for their husbands because they know it's not, they don't like it. It's just not something they like or it's not healthy for them or whatever. She's on top of the schedules and work uh, life of, their, uh, of the family. It really, it speaks of a true servant. She, she's kind of got you know, her day planner out and figures out what everybody's doing and when, when they're going to be there, when they're not, who needs supper, who doesn't, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and just has it all together. It speaks of a true servant. She plans and supervises and schedules and oversees so many fine details of our lives. She is a devoted wife and mother. And this is her calling, and she considers it a calling from the Lord. She recognizes that her place of happiest service is in the home and to her family for the Lord. Well, let's talk about her virtue toward others. Verse 20, it says, She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. This shows compassion for others, for the poor, for the needy. The word she holds her hand out is not like this. <laughs> okay? It's an open palm. That's what it means. When you hold your palm open like this to someone, what, is it, what does it uh, signify? Yeah, giving. Take it all. Nothing held back. There's no grasping hand. You can hold your hand up to somebody like this and keep clinging on, but she holds it open. That's what he's saying here. An open. She's not tight-fisted, not holding on to things, ready to give, that is true, again, of my wife. She's willing to give what she can and beyond. In fact, I've never seen her uh, to be stingy or sparing in her giving, ever. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Nothing thrills me more than to see her sit down with one of the children and uh, and just listen. Just hear them out. I saw her doing this last night with one of the kids, and I thought, when was the last time I ever did it like that? Just sat down on the floor at their level and just heard them out. And it was about nothing, really, but she listened with great interest. And, and then there was a little tidbit of wisdom that she'd given back, you know, listen a lot and give a little bit of wisdom back. And I thought, wow, there's a lot I can learn from her. And it thrills me when I see that. At an appropriate time and in a gentle way, she opens her mouth, and most often the Scripture comes out. That's what it is. And she does it always with kindness. 
And she's that way with strangers too. It's always on her heart to witness to, uh, to others and um, to give gospel literature, to say a word of kindness to someone, talk about the Lord to them. And she puts herself out to help others too. Um, recently we had Daniel's uh, birthday party and one of the mothers came over to pick up her son. And she said, oh, my son really likes your chocolate, chocolate chip cookies. And she says, oh, would you like me to teach you how to bake them? She says, sure. She's there to pick up her son. Can we do it now? Sure. So she makes a batch of chocolate chip cookies right there and teaches her how to make cookies. Quick lesson on baking. Someone else will come and she'll teach how to sew a hem. Or my wife exudes kindness to others, and I appreciate that about her. Let me ask you a question. Some of you say, oh, this is really inappropriate, you know, talking about your wife at an 11 o'clock service like this. Well, let me ask you a question. When should we do it? When should we do it? You can do it in the privacy of your own home, and I sure hope you do. I sure hope you tell your wife, your mother, the things that you appreciate about her. But there is a place. There is a public forum for it as well. And we see that here in this, in this uh, passage. Really, we should be doing it every day. It says, uh, verse 28, her, her virtue is noticed and appreciated. Verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed. This is a happy woman whose life is devoted to, um, to her God-given calling. Then it says in verse 20, end of verse 28, her husband also, and he praises her. Krista, I just want you to know what an honor it is to have you as my wife. A virtuous woman. And if you don't mind, I'll borrow the words of verse 29. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. She holds her eyes down so she doesn't look. 25 years ago this year, Krista made a promise to me. And she has fulfilled it to this day. In part, she said this, quoting from um, Ruth, she says, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. You had no idea what you were saying. (laughs) But she's been faithful to that. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, this is Mother's Day, not Wife's Day. So, Sharon, Luke, Marion, David, Daniel, and Christine, I just wanted you to know that not only did the Lord entrust me, with one of his rarest jewels, but he gave her to you as a mother as well. A mother whose value is far above rubies. Cherish her. Rise up and call her blessed. Really what that means is rise up and make her happy. That's really what it means. Rise up and make her happy. Now, I recognize that Krista is not the only jewel in our midst. But she's the jewel that I know the most and the best. And so I know there are many other women here who are virtuous wives and virtuous mothers. 
Children, rise up and call your mother blessed. Husbands, praise your wife for her virtues. She's a virtuous woman. Tell her so. And don't wait till she dies. Let her know now. The emphasis of verse 31 is this. Let her have full and public credit for what she has done. Well, our time officially is up, but I hope you will still take the opportunity today to rise up and call her blessed. Let's just uh, pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the many mothers, wives, women here who really, whose hearts are inclined after you, Lord, and, and it is demonstrated in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for the virtues that we see day to day and yet so seldom appreciate. Lord, we just confess that uh, it's easy to take our wives, our mothers for granted. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, stop us in our foolishness. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, cause us to um, sing forth the the virtues and the character and the and, and honor the traits that we see in them. And we just pray, Lord, that you might cause them to shine more and more and be more and more like the Lord Jesus, we pray. Bless the time now as we um, meet together and we have fellowship together and enjoy a good meal. We just pray for your blessing on this food in Jesus' name. Amen.